Are you a business owner, coach, author, speaker, or expert? Are you serious about moving out of the shadow and into the spotlight? If so, you're in the right place. Learn how to pitch the media to get high-level exposure to grow your business and your cause. So if you're ready to be featured in magazines, radio, podcasts, and on TV, and use your message to make more money, then this is the place for you. Welcome to More Than a Sound. Hello. Okay, joining us today, we have financial powerhouse, Farnoosh Tarabi. She has built an incredible business, helping women grow and scale their businesses. She's an expert in finance, a best-selling author, a podcast host. She wears so many hats and she wears them so well. Farnoosh, how are you today? Stacia, I'm so well. Thank you. And congrats on your podcast. This is Thank great. Just so, so many things you have going on. I know. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm juggling. I just have all these balls in the air and I can't let anything drop. <laughs> it's okay. But, I just interviewed uh, Tiffany Dufu. You can drop the ball. As oh, she said. God. Drop okay. the ball. It's good. Well, I have to listen to that one because I am, I'm trying to keep them all in the air. Um, but I've been so looking forward to this. I've been following you for quite some time. And, you know, I think that you're incredible. And I think that you have so much to offer to my listeners. So we talk a lot about media and monetizing that media and, you know, turn, turning your media into money, so to speak, and becoming a media magnet. And you are all those things. So hopefully you can help us <laughs> we, as we move on this media journey as well. So, um, so tell me, how did you, how'd you first get into the world of finance? Why finance? Mm -hmm. My dad told me to major in something that would make me money. That's what he said. I went to college. Yeah, I mean, I went, my dad's a PhD in physics. He's got a science mind. A plus B needs to equal C. And so I, you know, despite the fact that I was a really creative kid, I loved theater and writing and debate and all that presentation stuff and being on the spotlight. They were like, that's great. That can be your hobby. But... <laughs> You need to, we're going to pay for your college and we, we expect that when you graduate, you'll be able to live now on your own fully and you will never require money from us again. So please go and just study something that will make you money. <laughs> so I just kind of like opened up the majors, you know, and I went to Penn State. I opened up like, you know, the, all the different things I could study at process of elimination. I, I definitely, you know, didn't know right away. I first went to political science because I thought I would be a lawyer. I was like, well, that's a, my I'm Iranian. And so in, we always joke that in our culture, you can only be one of like three things that your parents will be proud enough to tell other people what you do. You know, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer or an engineer and that's it. And if, <laughs> you know, if you have like, if you're an entrepreneur, like with a tech startup, like if they can't explain it to their Iranian friends and <laughs> sound cool, then you're, it's not allowed, not allowed. So I, Within that, you know, Venn diagram, I was like, what can I do? I don't want to be an engineer. I don't want to, you know, I did the whole poli sci for a couple of months and I did not enjoy that. Um, so I thought, okay, let's do business because maybe there's somewhere in that field that I can still be me. Um, so I thought maybe marketing or whatever. But then I thought, okay, let's just really strategize here. What is the, the field within business, at least at my business school at Penn State, that produces the highest earning students and where there are not many people who look like me because I knew even then that being different was an asset 
that my femininity, being a female, having the name Farnoosh, like everyone's going to know who I am. And I think that, and I was maybe naive to think that that wasn't going to actually be a problem. Uh, But I went for that because I didn't, I wanted to stand out again. I wanted to go where the spotlight could possibly be for me. I was always a performer. So I thought, let me, let me do finance. And while I will say it was not my passion, I, I got through it and I did do well as far as like making a name for myself in the department. And, but what I, what I realized is that more than the numbers and the Excel spreadsheets and the equations, the math that I really enjoyed the stories in uh, that I was learning about, uh, commerce and the economy. And, um, I liked being able to take these abstract principles and breaking them down and explaining them to my friends. I, I don't know. There was something that, again, it was the storytelling. It was the, yeah. the narrative of finance that really drew me in. Yeah. And people don't often think that there's a narrative. They think, you know, it's just all numbers. No, all- but it was, it was an interesting time to be studying finance. This was now just to give people context. This was right around the tech bubble bursting. And there was a lot of, uh, a lot of financial news was making front page news stories like um, the Tyco CEO who had basically uh, stolen money from his company and went to jail. There's a lot of white collar crime yeah. Enron, <laughs> yeah, the dismantling of Enron and all of that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was like suddenly, like finance is sexy and interesting, yeah. and and so that was the that was the time frame when I was kind of learning about this world, and I found again the storytelling, the narratives, really fascinating, and so I I. I coupled that degree with a degree in, um, well, actually just a, a, a minor in media studies. What I decided was, all right, I don't want to necessarily get a job doing Excel spreadsheets for a bank or sitting behind a computer uh, at, at a firm, but I would like to marry this knowledge that I'm getting in the business space with journalism. And I decided to apply for a master's in journalism upon graduating from college I did a little bit of studying in media while I was at Penn State. I did a, an honors thesis in media studies and I did a, an internship at uh, Money Magazine. And so I was able to like present myself as someone who was serious about becoming a business journalist when I did apply to, to journalism school. I at least thought, you know, how many finance majors are they getting, are they getting applying to journalism school? Right. You know, like that alone might stand out, it but does. then I have to also explain myself. <laughs> so... Yeah. I just immediately started working in business news. I worked at Money Magazine as a writer, and then I worked in television, writing news, but always about the economy and business. And then, you know, then I went and worked in digital at thestreet.com, covering Wall Street and doing videos. And so I have had the the benefit of working in a lot of different media where, you know, I, I thought I was just going to do television all the way through. But then I decided to just kind of dabble in a lot of it because why not? Why tell a story just one way? Right. There you go. I love it. I love it. So, you know, so you've kind of done your own pivot. Yeah. And I think the business, like my expertise in quote unquote business, I suppose, is like really from all my work interviewing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs and business owners over the years. It's been a big part of my work. Um, in addition to the personal finance stuff, I also have done a lot of work interviewing business people 
CEOs, executives, founders, and through them understanding what it took for them. But all, you know, and and I run a business, I do, and applying a lot of that to my own work. Right. So how did you end up on the other side of that, on the other side of that microphone? Like you, I got laid off. Um, yeah, I got told I couldn't come back to work. And so, well, you know, truthfully, I had been working, warming my way up to this while I had a nine to five, you know, writing and reporting for a decade, but all the while trying to find my voice in all of it. You know, as a journalist, you try to stay objective and very balanced, but I realized that in the world of personal finance to really drive home the advice it you know taking on that role of an advice giver is not it's not a bad thing and someone who has opinions and a point of view um, is appreciated is welcomed I think because money it can be really dry it can be really uh, boring and so if you add a little bit of personality to it you add some story to it narrative it's suddenly a whole new a whole new thing a much more inviting right. thing yeah. I realized that at the time when I was in my 20s reporting on personal finance, there was a real need for thought leadership in this space and beyond the typical people that were giving the advice, you know, beyond the typical white male, uh, middle-aged white man talking to everybody about personal mm-hmm. finance, that there was there was room to nitrify, that maybe there was room for uh, a young woman to talk to other young women about money. And there was room for... Um, black Americans to talk to black Americans about money because the stories are all different. And at the end of the day, you know, it's the information is the same, but it's how and who is telling it that makes all the difference. That connection is so important. Exactly. Connection is everything. You know, the riches is in the niches. So yeah, you have to really niche down. So, you know, being able to do that and you've done it so wonderfully So even as, you know, being a woman, I mean, did you face any pushback in the industry? Mm -hmm. A bit. I will say that it was probably not until I got to uh, one of my later jobs in my mid-20s. I was working now for a very serious digital website that was dedicated to investing and more of sort of the harder financial news. I really wanted that experience because up until that point, I've been talking more about reporting more about, you know, savings accounts and how to get out of debt and more of the day-to-day personal finance Mm -hmm. and less so the economy and the stock market and more of the macroeconomic stuff. And I really thought for me that I, the very least, I just wanted more of that education Right. And to push myself. So I started working for a very serious investing website, uh, news oriented, but really focused on investing. And it was, you could like the whole newsroom was like white guys. It was, and there's one black man, Mark DeCambry. He's still in the business. And (laughs) I used to remember him because he was like the one person of color in the newsroom. And he and I sat next to each other and really hit it off. And he's still, um, you know, blazing trails and he's working for the New York post now and recovering business. But, um, we, there were not many people who, uh, were different at, at this, at this site and, and largely men. 
but I was hired as the first female and the only person to run their digital unit. They had just started a digital, a digital video unit, I should say. They were a digital site, but they never, they had not gone into video yet. Uh And they hired me because I had a background in broadcast and business um, to sort of, you know, tell them what direction to take it. But they paired me with a male co-host for a couple of the shows and he knew the lingo and wore the suits and and he just kind of made me every time he would we would be done taping he'd be like you know Nushi and he had a nickname oh for me I was like God. I was like this this was not I never I never introduced myself as Nushi but he thought that that was cool mm-hmm. I let it go I let it slide and he's like you know I think you should read the Wall Street Journal some more you know and you know and this this you should really pick up on some of these term and not terms and I I get that you know I gave him the benefit of the doubt at first I thought he's just trying to help me but the more he did it I got the sense that it was just an it was disrespectful and it was undermining and I was done yeah, with it. So, absolutely. and you knew, I could tell he knew what he was doing because he would always end his commentary about whether it was like what I had just said or what that I should learn more about with like, I'm not trying to be an a-hole, and, <laughs> you know? And so I finally said to him, you need to try harder. Yeah. I said, you need to try harder. And, I, and that really kind of surprised him that I would, say something like that back to him. And, you know, I don't let these things really get to me. I just sort of try to nip them in the bud right in the moment, tell people how I feel and move on. I mean, he wasn't my boss. So that was, I think, helpful. Yeah. But but I also, you know, but, um, some guys do that. though. Yeah. I I guess, you know, he made me have a thicker skin. So Mm -hmm. thank you to this person who, uh, you know, continued to stay with the company for many, many more years while I moved on. And I'm glad I moved on, you know, I, we just parted ways. And so, yeah, there have been these microaggressions along the way, but I mean, overall, I think that it's, for me, it's been, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't really, maybe I'm just oblivious. My oblivion has been helpful to me. I don't really notice if someone's trying to get in my way. I just, steamroll them keep go there you go you yeah. just from and keep on going you just keep it moving that's that's what you gotta yeah, do. I, don't, I mean I don't you know, waste my time. In, yeah you I just can't. you can't I mean if you if you wasted time on every time every time that happened you'd never get anywhere so you did the right thing you know wow so Thanks. so tell us about so now you're you know you're in the media and you're doing tv and you're you know you're writing you've kind of flipped the script how did you get your first media appearance what was that like did you have this or did you do it yourself this is a really good story I I like to I I always refer to this story because um people cannot believe that I got on CNN at 20 years old (laughs) (laughs) do tell let me tell you this story so I was an intern I think I was 20 was I 20 or 20 I mean I was I, I think I I was either Still in college, I had interned at Money twice, Money Magazine, and once I was in college and once I was right out of college. So I get I get the dates mixed up, but it was either at 20 or 21 or 22. And in both roles, I was an intern. And one day, the PR team at the magazine asked if anyone on staff would like to go on CNN that afternoon and talk about our cover story, which was the best places to live in the country. They, they do this list, you know, all these listicles, they did, they did their big list issue. Uh-huh. 
and nobody wanted to do it. Like senior <laughs> writers, editors, like, oh, I have to go downtown. I get in a cab. I have to put on a jacket. I got to get makeup done. Oh my gosh. And you're like me. I'll do and it. I was like, I was like, I know this might sound crazy, but I worked on this story. I know this story, you know, and I have a, all I had, I think, so I think I had a broadcast degree. I was like, you know, I went to Columbia. I went, I did a nightly news program at Columbia. You might know me from uh, <laughs> my local university channel. And uh, she's yeah, like, every night. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, this woman just took a leap of faith. She's like, I'm not going to burn, I'm not going to burn a bridge with CNN. I'm going to put you on the air there. Here's some lipstick. Here's cab fare. Here's the press release. Uh, you're live at 1255, you know? And so I, I got in the cab. I think that so much of, especially television media is getting rid of the jitters, right? It's just like getting in a place of Zen. (laughs) And like, I kept reminding myself on the way there, I remember being in the cab and kind of freaking out, but being like, look, Farnoosh, it's just three minutes. There you go. You've, you can talk you just, tell them you're just talking to one person. Forget that there are a gazillion right. people watching. I'm just right. having a Forget, conversation exactly. with Exactly. And I, you know, they threw me into this studio by myself because there was a remote interview. The anchor was in Atlanta. I was in New York. So I was in this like box of an office with the camera staring at me and an earpiece in my ear and basically had to pretend like I was there with the anchor. <laughs> and I, but I remember, t- I remember coaching myself. I was like, it's just three minutes. Just, just, if you just say these four things, just stick to these four things. You know, I remembered like what were the top three cities and I I even kept the press release on my lap just in case I had to look down, but I just read that press release like 12 times before I finally went on air, memorized it. Um, and I, and I, you know, between speaking and laughing and smiling and saying, thank you for having me on the show, you're done. You right. know, after two and a half minutes, <laughs> yeah, like it's really minutes. just, it's really just 40 seconds of speaking. Cause the anchor also <laughs> has to do her bit. So I, that really calmed me. And the reason I wanted to do it, why did I think that at 20 years old, I should go for this opportunity? You know, I wasn't going to get promoted from intern to anyone like just for doing this, but I had goals. I knew that I wanted to not be an intern forever. And I knew that I wanted to work in television. And while I'm in New York, they're not going to put me on air anywhere. Like not really like as a reporter, this is where you retire. This is where you work to, you know, I have to go to Bumblebee, Kentucky before I get to (laughs) another market. And then another market, I have to ping pong the country before I get to New York, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to just go to New York. And Mm -hmm. I knew that, while they wouldn't put me on camera right away, maybe I could work behind the scenes. Maybe I would get this opportunity like I did at Money to flirt with television a little bit as a, you know, I was a staff. What did they, I didn't know what they chironed me because they weren't going to say intern, right? I think they just said like reporter, you know, they lied uh, at Money Magazine when they put me on the show. (laughs) Um, Oh God, that's so funny. But that clip, Stacia, literally got me like so many two more jobs. I used that clip, um, wherever I could to get on the next television program and then to get my producer job at, at the next news station, which eventually had me on camera too. And then to go to the digital places that I went. And so it, I milked it. 
Absolutely. And that's what I always teach my clients. Once you, once you get that first one, you can leverage that, you know, you can use that over and over. And once you've been on CNN one time, you can always say as seen on CNN. Exactly. week later or 10 years later. Yes. It's so, it's gold. You put that logo on your website, you put it in your bio, you put the link in your email. Oh my gosh. You're like the coolest person ever. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you know, you got to learn how to do that. And then, you know, the fact that I love that you said your producer said, we're not going to burn a bridge with CNN. Yeah. Was ready, you know, and that's, That is so important too, you know, recognizing that it's all about that relationship. CNN comes to us. They're looking to us to, to deliver and we have to deliver. And they exactly. trust you with that. And look at you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I never knew that story. Yeah. And you know, to get that tape was such a, I had another friend who was interning at CNN and I was like, you got to get this tape for me. I don't know. I don't know if my mother was, you know, this is before everything was digitized. Oh, like, course. so you have to put yeah. the video, you have to put the VHS in the video recorder at yeah, the time right. that I'm on to hit record. My mother didn't, you know, and it was all within, like it all happened within like a flash. Yeah. So I, I did everything I could to get that tape and it was well worth it. That's amazing. Yeah. You did it the right way. I mean, now, you know, you just link to the website and download right. it. But yeah, back then it was, it was a hassle. I used to hate when I would have guests and then they would call like, you know, a week later and they're like, oh, and I was on your show and can I get a copy? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea what a hassle it is for me. Such Such a favor. Oh my gosh. Was it ever <laughs> now? You know, it's like, okay, here's the link. Here you go. Yep. But yeah, back in the day, that was, whew, it was like jumping through hoops to get somebody to get you a copy of the tape. Sure. Oh sure. my gosh. And so here you are now, now you are a best-selling author as well. So how did you go from, oh my gosh, you've just like been all over the map and been successful at all of it. So how well, you thank do you. I mean, I mean, in hindsight, right? You're like, yes, I strategized all of it. Um, <laughs> I'm brilliant. Um, but I think for me, what was so eye-opening from a very young age, and I, I would go back to probably, again, that money internship, was working for some people that were just blowing my mind in terms of what you could do as a journalist, what you could do in the world of media. You know, I went to Columbia journalism school and I had a great experience, but a lot of what they taught you was geared towards was with the understanding that you were just going to be in one, in one vertical, you were just going to be doing one lane. Like you're going to be a magazine reporter and then you're, this other person is going to be a radio journalist. And then over there is going to be the broadcast TV, but you can't do it all. Like, (laughs) don't mix it up. Don't get it. Don't make it complicated. Like focus on the craft, the one craft. And I, you know, I appreciated that at the time, but then I went to work for these people who were doing all sorts of, uh, reporting. Like I worked for Gene Chatsky, who is, uh, probably like when I think of, you know, the leading financial experts in the world, I think of like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, Gene Chatsky, you know, um, and she, I had the privilege to work for her at Money Magazine. And <clears throat> this is before really we knew what a personal brand was, but she was personal branding at in 2002, you know, even before then. She, where, what I mean by that is she had the magazine column at Money, but she was also doing television. She was speaking. She had books. She was doing radio. She was doing talk show appearances. 
And I thought, I like that. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like the variety. I'm someone who gets bored really quickly. And I also really appreciated the revenue streams. I knew that she was making money in all these different ways. And I saw the life that it was affording her. Mom with two kids, with support, beautiful home, vacations. I was like, oh, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. This is how you really become an entrepreneur with your media background, you know? And I, I learned that and I thought, why I want to do that. I want to do that in my own way and for my own audience. And so that really was the beginning of me, uh, putting it all the pieces together, which is why I wanted those different experiences of working in print, working in television, working, um, you know, in radio and digital so that, and I didn't know that I would get laid off, but when I did get laid off, I realized like I have a lot to work with here and I can do a lot of this on my own and be my own almost like media platform for what I want to do. Wow. And now you are a brand. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say that the book, writing my first book was a huge step forward, was a huge catapult into what I'm doing now. I actually run a workshop. Uh, for five years, I've been running this workshop called Book to Brand, mm-hmm. where I teach people who are experts how to write a book and then leverage that book to really get out there in a big way. Now, when I did it, there weren't many, there, there was no self-publishing, right? And so when you did write that book, you were one of few authors that year that may have published in that category. Mm -hmm. But now there's so much, but that doesn't still mean that you can't use a book as a huge way to get a leg up in your industry. Um, So, so for me, that was that because once I did the book, then I got tons of press and then it was about leveraging that press to get other things like speaking and corporate brand partnerships and television shows. The press begets the press gets you out there and uh, I mean, there's no better calling card. Absolutely. There you go. That you just said it. There's no better calling card because that immediately it puts you ahead of your competition. Mm-hmm. When people see you and they know they've seen your face, they know your name. Oh, I've seen her on television. I've seen her, you know, face in these magazines and your competitor was not there. I mean, yeah, well, sure. It's like, you know, if you get a book deal that inherently, is it puts you it sets you apart because you had it was a selection process it was a very highly selection selective process now we know that yes the media is selective but really it also comes down to relationships and if you can really work those relationships and build trust that goes a very long way too in getting the press yeah yeah it really does yeah and people always think you know the media, you know, they don't want to hear from me. They don't, you know, I don't have anything worth saying, but you know, even with them, it's about building relationships. I always hear the media, the media. And it's like, you know what? The media, they're people, right? They are people (laughs) who have interests, you know, they have lives, they have, you know, they're just like you. And Mm -hmm. so you build those relationships as well. And that will go so far. Yeah. They're just like you. They have deadlines. They have families. They got, they get stressed at work and they want to do good work and they want it to be easy. They don't want it to be overwhelming. So how can you simplify it for them? How can you work around their schedule? How can you make sure they meet their deadlines? How can you make sure they look good to their bosses? That's 
a huge part of winning That's this a game. Part of it. Absolutely. That is a big part of it. Yeah. You know, help them do their job. They are, they're inundated. You know, now as producers, we're doing way more with less where it used to be, okay, I was just responsible for deciding what went in the show and what reporter was going to cover it. Well, now I'm writing the stories. I'm making graphics. I'm editing videos. You know, I'm putting things on the web. You know, producers are wearing a whole lot of hats. So when you come to me with a pitch that is well written and I can actually visualize it and it's laid out for me and you can tell me exactly what you're going to do, what your segment is or what your story is going to be about, it helps tremendously. And that alone will set you apart from, mm-hmm. you know, the person who's pitching and just saying, oh, I'm an expert in XYZ industry. I'd like to be on your show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Well, um, I think that you've done a fabulous job. So tell me <laughs> before we go, Farnish, you said um, you had to be either a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer for yeah. your to be proud of you. I'm assuming your parents are very proud of you now. They are. They are. And and I I, I still think that they have a hard time explaining to their friends what I do, but I think that's cute. I think that's okay. <laughs> that's um so you know, they they like to say like she wrote a book and did you see her on the Today Show with Al Roker? You know, that's that's those are the highlights. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, not anymore, of course, now, but I, I miss those days. I miss the day. Don't you miss going into a newsroom in a studio and the, you know, lights, camera, action? I think that's something that I really miss in the quarantine. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, You're like, no, I don't miss that. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe because I don't do it as often as you do. So it's still yeah. a novelty for me. Yeah. And maybe in time, but no. Mm. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, mm, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Well, whenever you get really tired, just call me in. I'll take over. I will do that because I know that you stay ready. So yeah. <laughs> I will definitely do that. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure our paths will cross again. I'm always listening to your podcast, reading your books. You know, every time I hear your name, I'm like, oh, Farnoosh Jarabi. I know her. So I'm yeah. so Oh, that's so, so sweet. Well, Stacia, I look forward to sharing your story on my podcast. So listeners, check out Stacia on So Money around the time this is also airing. So I'm um, really happy we were able to make this happen. I'm so glad we did. Thank you so much.